We had a, um, I've been in church a long time. I've been, I went to Bible college. I've been studying God's word for a while now. I can say I tried by the time I got into second grade, I heard someone say you should read the Bible every day. I've tried since second grade to at least read a little bit of the Bible every single day. You say, have you always done it? There's no way I've always done it. No, I have not. Have I tried? That's been my goal. And I could say, in all honesty, since about 17 years old, 237, that's 20 years right there. There's been less than a handful of days that I've missed in 20 years. When I was younger, I missed a little bit more. We sometimes think we're so familiar with the Bible and that we have all the stories figured out and that we've heard them so many times. The thing that is different about the Bible than any other book you'll ever read, it's a book that's alive. It is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. The Bible has so much there that we will never get. That's what separates it from every other book that's ever been made. It's God's book to us. And so I've studied this passage a lot in the past. I, we all know about the man carrying the cross of Jesus. We do. We, in the movies, they have that guy too. When they have the movies of the Passion or the, the Son of God movie or the different ones, they have the guy carrying the cross of Jesus. Now, some of you in this room, you're just a lot smarter than me, or you pay attention to detail a lot more than me. But the past few weeks, so as we go through here, I'll give you kind of how it works for me. So next week, we're going to be carrying on in verse 27, and we're probably going to go through verse 32, maybe a little bit further. But though I'm preaching today from verse 15 to 26, I'm already thinking about two weeks out further in line here. So I started working on this sermon a few weeks ago. And there's something that popped out to me this time that's never popped out to me before. And on Father's Day, it's a great day to see this. And sometimes, let me just give you this little thought. As we study God's Word, we miss the smallest of details sometimes. But one of the things that Jesus said was, man shall not live by bread alone every word which proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Every word matters. And sometimes we overlook the minutest of details that it's like, I should have known that a long time ago. Now, the other thing could be, I could have known this a long time ago, and I've just forgotten now, and that's possible. You ever watch a movie or something, and you get my parents the other day, I love my parents, I'm going to get to go spend some time with my dad this afternoon before evening service and all that. But ever, they, my dad in his older age, he turned 80 in November. My mom's 76. They watch a lot of Hallmark movies. I never thought the day would come that my dad would watch Hallmark movies. I literally, when I first found out, really wanted to take him to the doctor to get him checked to make sure everything was okay. Because for him to watch a Hallmark, I'm like, Dad, Really? You know, this is Mr. He was one of those alien sci-fi movies. The uh, Twilight Zone was like his favorite show. And I still remember, I remember as a kid, that one where they're flying on a plane and you got that hairy thing out by the engine out there. That's the one that always comes into my mind. 
when I think of the Twilight Zone. But anyways, so I, a few weeks ago, I'm telling them, and they're like, we're watching a Hallmark movie, and I'm like, you've already seen that one. No, I don't think we have. They called me back a little bit later. You know what? We have seen this one. I just remember that. So with this passage today, this thought and things that have come, maybe I did know back in the day, and I've just forgotten. They say you are who you hang around. There are a lot of mature people in this room, and so that might help me there. But anyways, as we dive into the message today, we're going to look at verse number 15 and read through verse 26, and then we're going to get some thoughts here today, and we will continue on. The Bible says in verse 15, And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them, and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away into a hall called Praetorium, and there called together the whole band. And they clothed him with purple, and plaited a crown of thorns, and put it on his, about his head, and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him on the head with a reed, and did spit upon him, and bowing their knees, worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him, and put his own clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. And they compelled one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. And they bring him into the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull. And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, what every man should take. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the superscription of his accusation was written over the king of the Jews. Father, I pray you'd bless the time we have today in this passage. And I know next week, Lord willing, we're going to look in depth at the crucifixion. We start to see the details unfold before our eyes today. And I pray that you would guide our thoughts this morning. Thank you for coming. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for us so we could live. A father's love for his son. And yet, in the midst of that, your love for us. It's hard to fathom and put into words, but thank you for it. Bless our time today. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we dive in this morning, number one, we see that Jesus is condemned to death. Last week, as we looked at this passage we, before here, we saw that Pilate and Herod did not see Jesus do anything wrong. And in fact, said that they could release someone, and they chose Barabbas over Jesus. And so Jesus is condemned to death. Why was he condemned to death? Letter A, we see what is his crime. Look at verse 26. It says, and the superscription of his accusation was written over the king of the Jews. Jesus' crime in their eyes was claiming to be the king of the Jews. Now, let me ask you a question. Was he the king of the Jews? Yes, he was. So was he guilty of anything, any wrongdoing? He was not. And yet, he was put to death. But I want you to understand something. Though this was the accusation, the crime made against Jesus, 
In reality, Jesus was going to the cross not because Pilate condemned him there, not because the people cried out to spare Barabbas, but he was going there because it was God's plan from the very beginning. Revelation 13, verse number 8 tells us, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. It was known before God ever created man that Jesus would die for the sins of the world. Think about that one. God knows everything, right? God knew when he made Adam and Eve that they were going to sin. You say, well, why didn't he just not put the tree in the garden? Wouldn't that have been nice? Just don't put the tree there. But would that be man had a choice? It's called free will. God doesn't make you or I do anything that we don't want to do. That, that's true. You know, back in the day, Christina, when you and uh, Eddie got married, or when, he, when, he, when you got engaged, would it have been true love if he, if he had to? He had no other choice? Like, you have to do this. No, he wanted to. That's what makes love, right? You wanted to, right, Eddie? And you're grateful that you did, right, Eddie? Yes, yeah, he's, he's moving that head up and down. And that's the most emotion I see out of him. So that, it's true there. It's very true. Before the world was ever formed, this last week we got to, um, Caroline and I got away for a few days, and we went to Sedona. We went on a little tour near the Grand Canyon, near sunset and things. And I loved hearing all the, you know, you had this tour guide telling you all these things. These rock settlements were here billions of years ago. But they're like, there was a time, you know, they're like, we see the, the Colorado River down here. You know, people say that that's what far, formed these hills, but this, this lay's like, that's really not what formed these hills. There was a time when this whole area was completely underwater. And I'm like, yeah, there was. There's technically two times, right? Because the earth was without form and void, and then in the flood. So she doesn't really realize what she's saying, but she's really just agreeing with what I already knew from the Bible. I was going to start preaching to the group that was there, but I thought, no, no, don't do that. They might charge me more, or I don't know what happened. That was going to be my tip. I was going to give her a Bible tip to share when she goes out there. But we look at those things, and God is just amazing, his creation. God, when he created this world, knew what man would do and knew how wicked man would be, knew that man would reject him, and yet he still sent his son. He still made us. He could have wiped Adam and Eve out and started all over or just ended it all, but he loves us and wants fellowship with us. And so that day, Pilate didn't crucify him. Herod didn't crucify him. The chief priest didn't crucify him. This was God's plan. And Jesus was willing to suffer for us. The only, if we're being honest, the only thing Jesus was guilty of is loving you and me enough to die for us. We see his crime, their accusation against him. Letter B, we see his beating. Now, you notice the Bible doesn't go into great detail. Verse 15, it says, So Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them, and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. We see that they scourged him. And those, that phrase there does not give you a great detail what a scourging was. 
a scourging, they beat him with a cat of nine tails is what they referred to it as. And what would happen, this beating, the way that it would work, you would literally be tied down to a post. Your back wide open, and this whip, when it would go in, it would, get, it would link into the skin and tear it as it came out. Forty lashes was considered a death sentence. A scourging was 39. They literally beat Jesus almost to death. After they scourged him, as you look in the passage here, it says the soldiers led him away into a hall. They put him in purple, royal colors. They plated a crown of thorns into his head. And not just a simple little rosebush thorn. If you see some of the thorns from the Middle East in that area, these are major thorns that were digging into his head. Their whole goal was they mocked him. They were mocking, they spit on him. All of this before he even gets to the cross. He's literally, and when we think on these things, and we look at it, and we look deeper into it, the Bible makes it clear that he was so marred. You could barely tell it was a human. And I know you watch the different movies. That does not compare to what he looked like that day. The beating that he took. They spit upon him. They beat him with their hands. They mock him. All for us. His skin literally ripped off. Just think on that one for a minute. Like, I don't, I don't want to think on that. He did it for you. And yet you have a hard time living for him after all he's done for you. You have a hard time being a Christian in this world today after all he's done for you, after all he's endured for you. It does us good to think on these things. That's why we partake of the Lord's Supper. We remember it. We remember his broken body, his blood that was shed. Why? So maybe we'll live a little bit better for him in this life. He was beaten beyond recognition. He was willing to die for us. He endured all these things. You say, why? The Bible says that God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He did it because he loved us. The Bible tells us in... Uh, Another passage in John 15, verse number 13. Greater love hath no man than this, than that a man would lay down his life for his friends. The greatest sacrifice ever made was Jesus willing to die for you and me. He's the king of kings. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he didn't because he loved us. We see his crime, the accusation made against him. We see his beating that took place, and then let her see we see his crucifixion. And in verse 22, it says, And they bring him into a place, Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull. And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. And they were not being, you know, they were not being nice to Jesus, giving him that. Say, so, well, why were they giving, why were they giving that to him? So they didn't have to see him suffer as much. Because you get enough of that in you, you're not going to feel as much of what's going on. It was not to help him. We keep on reading there in verse number 23 and 24. The Bible says, verse 24, And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, and casting lots upon him, 
what every man should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. After being beaten 39 times with a cat of nine tails, ripping his skin from his body and his flesh being wide open. Now, some other thoughts here. They put a robe on him, didn't they? What happens to open wounds when you put cloth on them? They stick to it. You notice before they took him out to the cross, they took that off of him? Think on that one there for a minute. They beat him. They spit upon him. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They did all of these things. You've got to understand something today. Our mind, we look at our world today and you say there is a lot of wickedness in our world today. There is. But I don't know if you and I can even comprehend what a crucifixion really was like. It was beyond awful. You can't even put into words or on a camera what it truly was like. Imagine the torment of feeling every nerve against the iron nails in those hands. The nails in his feet. And that's after the beating already. He was almost dead from that. Right? He took all of these things for us. Imagine the swelling that would take place in his hands. Imagine his body, all that he was going through, and the midst of it below, they're crying, hey, if you're really the king, then why don't you get yourself down from here? And the midst of that, you have Jesus, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. There's never been display of forgiveness and love like what Jesus displayed on the cross for us. Next week, we're probably going to go a little deeper into those things. But today, I want to go back a little bit. I want you to look at one verse with me. I want to talk about a man's life who has changed because he saw Jesus. Verse 21. And they compel one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. If you want a good Bible name for your child, name them Rufus. So, that's a good Bible name right there, right? There's a lot of good Bible names you could get. But as we look at this man named Simon, the Cyrenian, I want to give you a couple thoughts about him. Number two today, we see a man named Simon. A man named Simon. Now, as we think on this guy, and we see him here, he's mentioned one time in a couple of the Gospels. And the only time he is mentioned, he helps carry Jesus' cross. That's all that he's mentioned. And I believe he's mentioned in Matthew and in Luke and in Mark. I don't even know if John, if he's mentioned in John. What do we know about this man named Simon? We see letter A, we see his background. What is his background? As we look here, there's not a lot to go with, right? What does it say? 
And they compelled one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. So he was a Cyrenian, right? All we know is that he's from Cyrene, which is located in Africa. He's here in Jerusalem. It's at Passover time. So maybe he's a follower of the Lord, and he comes there to worship at Passover. And he's there at this specific time. Why is he here right now? Who knows? He's from Africa. We know that much. So when you think on those things, Jesus didn't travel down to his area. Maybe he heard about him. There was no Facebook in that day to say, hey, these are all the things Jesus did, and Jesus is dying on a cross, so you should come see him. The local news wasn't covering the fact that Jesus was dying. This man's in Jerusalem for some reason. And in all honesty, we don't know why this man's in Jerusalem. Probably because of Passover, which means that he must have followed something of the Old Testament. This man probably, and that's, he's from Africa, he's probably a black man. A lot of the movies, they portray the man carrying the cross as a black man. That's probably true. That's because he's from Africa. You get that? You see that? Okay. So as we think on that, and he had come, who knows why for sure he came to Jerusalem. If he came for the Passover and he was going to make a sacrifice, he comes face to face with the real Passover lamb that day. We see his background. We see the second thing about him is that he's compelled to carry Jesus' cross. Now, the Bible tells us, if you look at that verse there, it says, they compel. Who compelled? The soldiers compelled this Simon to carry the cross. And when you think on this, this word means to press into public service. What would happen is, what the Romans didn't want to do, they would make someone else do. And literally, if you didn't want to do what they wanted you to do, you would be in trouble, right? Now, let's think a little bit further. This man, or Jesus, this God-man, is about to die. There's blood everywhere. It's a mess. Literally, Simon helping Jesus literally stopped him from any of the Passover festivities. Because he was unclean. But we see that they compelled him they made him help Jesus that day. And when we think on these things, and we think deeper on them, why did they pick him? We don't know. Could they have picked him because of the color of his skin? They could have. Could they have picked him because he was right there at the wrong time, whatever the case was? I don't know. But they compelled Simon to carry Jesus' cross. Now we're going to go a little deeper here in just a minute. But do you remember something? Isn't that something? What a picture that is for us that claim to be Christians today. Did you realize that the cross comes with shame? It does. That day as Simon helped carry that cross, it stopped him from any of the Passover festivities. It ended that. If that's what he was there for, he he couldn't. He was unclean. We think about the song, The Old Rugged Cross. To the old rugged cross, I will ever be true. It shame and reproach gladly bear. We sing it, but do we live it? Jesus said one of the marks of a follower of his is the fact 
that we'd be willing to take up our cross and follow him. The Bible says, Matthew 16, 24. The Bible tells us, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Simon that day carried Jesus' cross. Isn't that what we're called to do in life? To pick up the cross and follow the Lord? I know in our world today, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But to us which are saved, it is the power of God. As we think on that, why is it we have such a hard time living for the Lord today? Part of being a Christian is carrying the cross. Being willing, but they look at me weird because I'm a Christian. Good. That's a good thing. Don't you want to be a little different than this world? Do you really want to blend in with the wickedness and the corruption that's in this world today? I'd much rather blend in with the cross of Jesus. Not because I'm any better than anybody else, because we're not. But the one who lives inside of me is better. This Simon was compelled to carry the cross. Man, we're not even willing to be faithful to church. We're not even willing to be faithful to read God's word. We're not even willing to be faithful to praying. He commands us to pick up our cross and follow him. We need to live for him. What, what's wrong with us today? We have such a weak, and say, Pastor, it's Father's Day. I know, and it's my birthday today. I get all that. We live in a weak society of Christians today. We do. Oh, I put in my good duty. I went to church once this month. Okay, I talk about things changing. When I was a kid, you were a good Christian if you went to church three times a week. That was a good Christian when I was a kid. And not saying that you're a good Christian because of that, because that doesn't make you a good Christian. You can go to church all the time. You can hang out with Jesus all the time like Judas did, and it doesn't make you good. Do you know today you're a good Christian if you go once a week or even two or three times a month? Do you know the danger that that leads to? The less you go, the even less your children are going to go someday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The pastor, get back to the message. We're right here. We're supposed to be bearing our cross. We all want a Christianity that's easy. That Carrying that cross that day, for, that was not an easy, easy job. And we're all called to carry our cross daily, right? Am I wrong in that statement? We have a pathetic Christianity today. I do too in my own life a lot of the time. How we should do better. So much, so much more I could say there, but I don't want to offend anybody too much today. Number three, what we see today is that that encounter with Jesus changed Simon's life forever. Say, how do you know it changed Simon's life forever? You don't hear Simon's name mentioned anyplace else. You don't. You don't hear his name mentioned. But that day, that day, his life changed. Say, so, well, what changed? Well, letter A, let's think on this one. We think of the providence of God. 
Do you know it's no accident that Simon was in Jerusalem then? Out of all the places he could have been, and all the area of town he could have been, whatever the case may be, he could have been anywhere. He lived in Africa. Why is he in Jerusalem at this time? Because God had an appointment set for Simon that day. Hey, there was a time in your life, sitting in here, that there was an appointment set by God for you. And that appointment came, and your life was changed from that day on. And I, you got to understand something. I am a, it was not by chance. It was not luck. And I know a lot of people live their life by luck and by chance. No, it was God working there. I was talking to someone just the other day. And they're like, I was getting ready to do something I shouldn't do. And then I saw someone I knew from church, and I didn't do it. So that was God. I know it was. And God does those things. We think about the providence of God. And I believe that God brought him to that spot for that moment. I believe the woman at the well was at that well right at that moment for that specific time for Jesus to be there. I believe the Ethiopian eunuch was reading the book of Isaiah right at that right time because God had a divine appointment waiting for that Ethiopian eunuch that day. It was no accident that Paul was on Damascus Road. There are no accidents, chances with God. God, that day, led that man to that spot, and it changed his family forever. We see the providence of God, but we see the power of the cross. Look at the verse 21. And they compelled one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. Now, I could have told you over and over again, someone asked me, who was the guy that carried Jesus' cross? Simon. I could tell everyone that. If you were to ask me, who were his sons? Does the Bible even tell us who his sons were? Oh, it does right there. That's one of those little details sometimes you overlook. I want you to take your Bibles, and I know it's probably up on the screen, but I want you to take your Bibles, and I want you to see this with your eyes. Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. We're rounding the finish line here in just a couple minutes. Romans chapter 16. Look down at verse number 13. Salute. Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, and mine. Simon was the dad of who? Rufus and Alexander. Paul, as he closes the book of Romans... Tells them to say hello to who? Rufus. Chosen in the Lord. And his mother. Was Simon still alive at this time? Who knows? We don't know. But what we see right here is we see a son used by God and a wife that was very close and did a lot of great work and that Paul considered close to him. Where did the family get 
started following Jesus. One day, Simon was just in Jerusalem. And that day in Jerusalem, some soldiers told him to carry this man's cross. And Simon met Jesus that day. And Simon's family was forever changed because of the power of the cross. And I cannot think, as we look at Father's Day, and we're, we're just about done here this morning, as we close out here, some, and you say, well, what exactly happened in their family? We don't know. It doesn't give you all those details. What we know is that a son was chosen by the Lord and used by God. And his dad is the one who met Jesus. Isn't that the legacy that every father should want? To let their children know about Jesus and for their family to serve God. I don't think there's a better legacy you could have than what is found right here. In the midst of of Jesus being crucified in the midst of the pain the torture and all that he went through he still ministered to a man named Simon that carried his cross Simon's life was forever changed his wife his children's life was forever changed all because of that one day at the cross the details he sometimes miss the father of Rufus and Alexander. And look at what they did for the Lord. It all goes back to the day that their dad met Jesus. They're from Africa. They didn't have everything that the Jews had. They didn't know all the truths about Jesus and all these things. What did they have? Oh, a dad that saw him face to face and was willing to teach his children who Jesus was and a wife that was willing to follow and be a part as well and we see God work in this family's life. It's mentioned one time carrying a cross and yet we see what God did in that life. It's amazing what God can do. The providence of God and the power of the cross. What a God we serve. How awesome he is. Don't ever forget it. Today is Father's Day, and I know for a lot of you that brings a bag of mixed thought. I'm very thankful for my dad. My dad was 43 when I was born. I thought, I was thinking about that the other day. I just turned 37. Why would I want a baby when I'm 43? Anyways, but anyways... I'm glad my youngest is five and I'm 37. But anyways, I, I'm not even as old as my dad was when I was born. That's so crazy to me. My dad just turned 80 this past year. My dad's one of the best men you would ever meet. One of the most godly men you'd ever meet. My mom the past, oh, since I was a teenager, her health has been terrible. But the, the past five or, in the past 10 years, my dad retired at 70. And he literally takes care of my mom. This November will be 60 years they've been married. If I could, you know how the Bible says, husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church? He's a very good example of that. I know in this room that not everyone can look to their dad and say, my dad was like that. I'm thankful for my dad. 
And in fact, you know, today, today's my Father's Day, and it's my birthday. This afternoon, I'm going to go see my dad. I don't know how many more years I'm going to have to be able to do it, and any chance I get, I'm going to go see him. You know, in all reality, I go down there right now because of my mom's health. I go down there three times a week. Most of you don't know that. Three times a week, I go down there and help them. And I'll be down there today to celebrate his day. And then I'll be back in church tonight. Say, you should just cancel church. (sighs) That's a tough one. You say, Mother's Day you do. I know. But Mother's Day is not my day. Today is my birthday and Father's Day, so it is kind of my day, right? And I think that I should be in church. That's where I'm going to be. Your dad might not be like what my dad is and was. But God gave you a dad. There are a lot sitting in this room that wish that they could pick up a phone today or that they could go drive like I'm going to and go see their dad. I get that. And I know that that brings some some hard thoughts for some in this room because you had a really good dad and now you can't make that phone call. You don't get to go get a card for him. You don't get to get him his favorite candy or his favorite things. And there's some in here that wish you just couldn't even remember your dad, or you don't even know who your dad is. I get that those are tough. But you have a heavenly father today. All of us do. And he loves you like no one could ever love you. And his love never stops. And he is the ultimate example of what a father should be. Thank God for our heavenly father today. And wherever you find yourself today, I hope dads in the room, we have, a, we have a good church, we have a great church, a lot of great dads in this room. Thank you for being a part of your children's lives. Children need their dads to be a part of their lives. Our society, one of the things that is ruining society today is the lack of father's involvement in the life of their children. Children need their dad. They need their mom. They need both of them. That's how God designed it to be. And so thank you for what you do and the examples that you are. And I know, man, none of us are close to being what we should be. I wish I could say I, 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 des- I, wish I, could say I deserve Father of the Year award this year. But there are times, and my kids, 11's the oldest, 5's the youngest. And there are times I walk up to them and I'm like, I'm sorry. Your dad's, your dad's learning how to be a dad. I'm learning it. Maybe someday I'll have it figured out, but you're all going to be grown up and out of here, and then maybe I'll have it a little bit figured out. I'm just learning as I go along. But just do the best you can. Love the Lord. Teach your family what Jesus did for you, and maybe you could have children that end up like Rufus. Quite a name. Probably one you won't forget too soon. Father, we thank